Welcome to the Community Connections Podcast with Jeff Newgard. Jeff is the president and CEO of Bank of Idaho. As an experienced community leader with a demonstrated history in the banking industry, he is fascinated with authentic and real conversations and establishing long-term relationships. Community Connections with Jeff Newgard podcast is Mr. Newgard's opportunity to do just that, connect with local business owners and leaders to hear their stories. Jeff's slogan is, people bank with people. With that, sit back, relax, and listen to the unique stories of your neighbors, colleagues, friends, and community connections. Today's guest is Vicki Ellison, owner of KV Inc. KV Inc. is a corporation headquartered here in Idaho since 1984. Enjoy this community conversation as Vicki connects with Jeff. Vicki, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to have this interview and to tell your story. Uh, you inspire me. And uh, when I think of you, the reason you inspire me is you you break about every mold there is. <laughs> and, I've been told that before. Yes, and so I, I wanted to explore a little bit about how how that happened. How did how did you become this person that breaks the mold and does things that uh, normal women of your generation did? I mean, you are quite a horsewoman. You're a businesswoman. Uh, how did that all start? Well, it's, it's funny that we bring this up today. My husband and I have been talking a lot about this lately. How this all got started, I started riding when I was five years old, and I rode with my dad. And I have three siblings, none of which care anything about the horses or the cattle. Really? So I was my dad's boy, <laughs> and I rode with him from the time I was five years old. And... We'd go, be gone for hours, you know, tending, moving cattle or tending, doing what we had to do. And he always called me sister girl. And he used to tell me, sister girl, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want to do. You just have to do it. And he taught me about how to handle money. And the first thing he taught me was, or the first time I really remember any of this was that I got a job at, at the restaurant, at a little restaurant down at Territon, because I was raised out in Montague, and this was a big deal to have a summer job. Yes. So he told me, he said, all right, sister girl, you go to work. He says, I want you to get a book, and I want you to keep track of all the tips that you make and all your wages, keep all the money you make. And he said, when you get done this summer, I'll go and talk to Sis. And Sis was the lady that owned the bank, or owned the restaurant. He says, I'll go talk to Sis. And if you've done a good job, and she's, you know, if you did what she wanted and everything, he said, I'll match your money. Oh, wow. And it was like, wow. What he did, he taught me to keep track of money. Oh, Sure, bookkeeping. He taught me that it was important that I write this stuff down every day. Yeah. And this was when I was like 17 years old. Okay. And another thing we did, always did, I always had a cow that was mine. And I could ride with my dad and I picked one out that was, well, my cow for a long time had horns. So I knew which one she was. <laughs> so in the fall when the cattle would ship, I'd get the money out of one calf and we'd cash a check and we had the zippered bank bags and uh -huh. we had a safe in our home 
And so the bags would be kept down in one of the lower drawers of the safe. So if I was going to a school, like a ball game or something, I could go get money out of my bag. But that was what I had to spend. I couldn't go ask them for more money. That yeah. was what I had. So they, from a very early age, taught me in that way also. Yeah. So you learned take, the value of money? I learned how to take care of my money and make it last. Yes. And then, of course, the deal with, with matching the money with my wages yeah. and my tips that summer, that was a big deal because oh, it might have yeah. been, I don't know, it might have been five or $600. Might have been yes. that much. Wow. But at the time, was it was, wow, you know, it was a lot yeah. of money. So, so let's, let's go uh, back for a second. When your dad said, you know, you can do anything, just go and do it. And, and that you're five years old and you don't know the difference. So all you knew was that you could do things. But then as you start going through life, you had to hit some barriers where people are saying, well, you're a girl, you can't do that. Oh, I've hit lots of barriers. <laughs> yes. What, so what did you hit... do with that? Um, I didn't have a lot of issues until my husband and I got into this construction business that we owned. And that construction is a man's world, it's not a woman's world. And I butted heads with quite a few people. And sometimes I just had to learn to gulp it down and go on. All right? Okay. But it made me stronger. It made me figure out ways to get around that stigma of being a woman mm -hmm. in a man's world. Yeah. And I always tried to act, and I'm not very good at being a silver-tongued devil. I'm not, I'm not politically <laughs> correct, okay, a lot. But I've tried to learn how to do that and to do things in a way that's not offensive. To ask somebody to do something, not tell them, mm -hmm. all right, to do, act in that manner. And by virtue of that, I think that I learned that people learned to respect me. And, and I was good at what I did. I've kept books all my working life. That's all I've done for, for to make money is keep books. Yeah. And so, of course, we started out with a hand set of books and went to computers. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I've, I know all about keeping a hand set of books and posting to a general ledger keeping sales journals and payroll journals and all that sort of thing. Yes. So I can, I see all this in my head as I work on the computer, how this all this stuff works. Yeah. And so I, I'm pretty good at a computer. I can make a program run. I, can't, I don't know anything about a computer, but yeah. I can at least get it to tell me what I want it to tell me. Sure. All right? But but back to the, the, the barriers. Yes. You just had to, I think, overlook, not take any of this stuff personal. You absolutely could not take it personal or you were done. Yeah. You had to understand that those people didn't know me. And yes, I'm a bit of a break the mold kind. I do write, I've done that all yeah. my life. I've kept books, I've helped run this company. And well, so- Writing on cattle, I mean, at a young age, uh, herding and and doing brandings, I'm sure. Well, and see, one thing I remember, too, that about my dad telling me this stuff, he would give me jobs to do. Like, okay, I need you to go. Like, in the summertime, they'd be busy in the hay fields. 
So he'd tell me I need to get on my horse and I need to go check all where all the salt was. And we'd have bo wooden boxes that the salt blocks would be in. Of course, I knew where all that stuff was. So that was my job was to go and check all the salt boxes. So I could tell my dad which ones needed salt and which ones were okay. So that when he'd take the salt out, he wouldn't spend a lot of time looking because I'd already checked him. Oh, he gave you. me responsibility. At a young I, age. At a young age. Yeah. I remember another time uh, we were out some cattle and he found them. And he hauled me up on the desert in the stock truck and we backed up to a bump and jumped the horse out. And this might have been like three or four miles from home. Okay, sister girl, you bring him home. Well, that was a big job, and I'm only eight or nine years old. Oh, is that right? But I brought the cattle home. But see, he taught me how to do things alone. like alone, giving me responsibility yeah. and inspiring in me self confidence. Yes. That I could do it. And you just were raised that way. I was just raised that way. So yes. as you're as you're interfacing, as you're going through life, and and especially in the cow cowboy world, uh, especially in brandings and and interface with different cowboys. I mean that that was kind of a man's world too, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And now I was never taught how to rope. I still don't know how to rope. Oh, okay. But a reason for that. My dad lost a leg. Yes. When I was 18 months old. And he was a really good roper. But he was always afraid of me having a rope for fear to get tangled up and I'd be in an accident or something mm -hmm. because he was not able to rope anymore. But what I think what happens is that I would go to the ranch like on branding day yes. and the guys would all be there and they could immediately see that I knew how to handle the cattle. I knew what to do. I knew how to get them in the trail. I knew how to sort the cows and calves off. Yeah. And so that part of it, they immediately could see I knew what I was doing. So nobody bothered me. Yeah. They just, you know, because I knew how to do my job. Well, that didn't sound like you paid much of attention to it either. No, you no. just did your thing. I just did it. And if somebody <laughs> said anything, well, okay, fine. And I just go right along. Yeah. Ignore them. Right. And that's what I've done a lot with okay. a lot of this stuff is just ignore it and go on. Because mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't personal. That was a hard lesson to learn. But I did learn it. Yes. Yes. So when when was that first time that you uh, learned that tough lesson? I think that it was after we were in this construction business. Okay. So it was later in life. Yeah, it was later in life. And we had one gentleman that supervised work that my that our men did. Mm -hmm. And he absolutely would not deal with me. And I used to get so mad. Evil son of a gun. Well, that isn't what <laughs> wasn't I said. the gun. <laughs> but but anyway, that That's you get right. the gist of the conversation. And it finally dawned on me one day. Again, it's that generation. Yeah. And he doesn't know me, so this is not personal. It's just his generation, mm -hmm. and he doesn't know how to deal with it. Didn't know how to deal with me. Yes. So that had to be kind of freeing, just to. Oh, it was like. Phew, you know, it was, yeah. it was, to, to finally come to the decision in my mind that it was simply not personal. Yes, and it, you didn't have to own that. Right. And so, and then it wasn't long afterwards that this gentleman and I got along. Really? And, and we're still great friends. 
and wow. he's been retired for many years and and I run into him occasionally he and his wife and he'll hug me and glad to see me and wow. we've become great friends wow so that and just we had a rocky that... start so. yes but I enabled that to happen I think because I didn't get mad about it yes that's right it, that was the freedom that uh, allowed you then to have a friendship right Right, it yeah, absolutely If you had harbored was. that anger and... I that, would have never allowed him to get close to me. That's right. right. Oh, that's beautiful. So then so then you, you go forward in, in your business, and uh, like you said, with all the construction people, uh, and not only in it, but you're running it. I mean, you're, you're quite a businesswoman. I mean, you, you manage all the money. To this day, you're a great money manager. I think even your husband relies on that. <laughs> yes, I, I manage all the home money too, you know, besides the business money. Yeah. Yes, and, and everybody involved with this decision making process, they've all learned to come to me and pay. And I tell the guys, this is one thing that I've always done working in this business. The men don't tell me what kind of a computer to have, because I'm using the computer. I'm going to buy the computer that best suits my needs. Yes. So. I'm not going to tell them what kind of a backhoe to buy <laughs> because I don't run it, you know? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And so they find a backhoe that the guys do that they want or need. Yeah. Then they'll bring it to me and then we'll look at the financial side of that. Right. And then we can make a decision there based on what we need. Yes. And that has worked very, very well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you, you have such an independence uh, where you're going get, to get the computer, you're going to get the tools you need. You're not going to have anybody telling you. But then you're respectful uh, on the other side. I have to be, yes. Yeah. Because a business can't run without employees. What would you have here if you didn't have employees at oh, Bank of Idaho? Yeah. Well, they're, and they're so the those employees are very, very important to us. Mm -hmm. And it's like a little bit of company history back in 2007 and 8 yeah. when this economy tanked. My husband and I put everything we owned into this business to keep it alive. We lost our 401ks. Oh. I lost a sizable, a sizable inheritance. Um, I, didn't, I didn't lose it. I put it into the company to keep it alive. Right. All we were doing was trying to protect these people that work for us. We didn't want to shut the doors and, and turn these men loose that had been loyal to us because we've been in business since 1983. Yes. And so we just, I, did, I couldn't, and, and Ken couldn't either, my husband. He, we, yeah. he just could not allow those men to be turned loose when they've been so loyal to us. Did they realize what you... I don't know. You know, I don't know. It wasn't... It wasn't anything we've ever really talked to them about. Yeah. It's just what Ken and I had to do to keep the business going. Mm -hmm. And then I've got to praise the bank. James Allen during this time, and, and still is, helps us with yeah. the loans. And it, I don't know what we'd have done if it hadn't have been for James. James stuck his neck out for us day after day, deciding which checks we could let through and which ones we had to. Wow. turn back and, and go back through the system again till we had money. 
James and I were on the phone for a long time every day. Oh. And he, I'm sure, stretched the rules some, uh, I'm sure. Well, what I found fascinating too is uh, how, how long you go back with the bank. Uh, you said you're number 50. 58. 58 and uh, opened in 1986. Mm -hmm. Is that it? And, yes. And uh, the bank opened in. in 1985. So right. you've been with us pretty much right. from the beginning. Well, my cousin Ralph Hartwell was one of the yes. founding people of the bank. He had an association with Bill Rigby. Yeah. And, of course, we were buying all of our insurance from my cousin Ralph. Sure. And so, of course, when this bank started, Ralph talked to us about coming over here. And we were at First Security Bank, and I wasn't real happy with them. They had a, I don't give a shit kind of attitude, <laughs> and I didn't like it, you know. <laughs> so we came to Bank of Idaho. Yeah. And so I guess that's real close to, what, 34 years? Yeah. That we've been here. Long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then, so you weathered that storm. We weathered the storm. But then it came back, right? And, and we're booming. Yes. Just booming. That's and amazing. just as busy as we can be. It's, and we're so thankful. Oh, well, we just, we love, love you. Uh, we, I admire you because of, I mean, it takes a lot of grit to go through tough times. I mean, it I does. And not too. and I don't mean to brag, but it does. It was very hard to every week not knowing if you had enough money to make those men's payroll. When you didn't even know what the future looked like. Things no, were so didn't. uncertain. No, everything was so uncertain. We didn't dare buy new equipment. Uh, we have a mechanic that is wonderful, and he patched the equipment together. And when we started to come out of this thing. We've had to buy so much equipment because our stuff was worn out. Yeah. But we're about to the point now where, you know, that's, we've pretty well got things upgraded. Yes. Of course, you're always upgrading equipment. You know, you're always, but we've got it in much better condition today. Yeah. Much, much better. Yeah. Well, that grit, it just reminds me of how you were raised and, and, and the stories Absolutely. you've told about your dad. Yes. Not having his leg and... And right. about the stump being bloodied. You know, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, about that, about how you would ride and well, what that meant to you. Yes, and, and Dad would ride, and he couldn't put that leg in a stirrup, so his leg would be out like this, and that's how he'd ride all day. Well, if you've ever ridden a horse, part of what you do is you balance off your legs. Right. And the cheeks of your butt sit in that saddle, all right? But with him, he was always cocked to one side. Oh. So one side would get more pressure on it than the other. And then he would sweat, of course, in the summertime and get blisters on that stump. Oh. And now this is an interesting, I thought it was interesting. There was a gentleman that lived down to Mud Lake that was a, war, a World War II veteran. And he had a, a leg gun. His was the opposite side. And he used to get stump socks. And they were actually, these socks were about yay long. And they'd actually fit up over the stump of that leg. Oh. And so he'd have that sock and then he'd go down and then you'd, he'd put it down into the wooden part of his leg. Yes. Well, this gentleman that it was the World War II veteran, he would get wool stump socks from the Veterans Administration. And they were outstanding quality. Oh. 
And so my dad would go, my dad always wore a lace-up shoe on the good leg. And so my dad would buy a new pair of shoes. So he'd go down and take the other shoe to that man. <laughs> there you go. Because they happened to be the same size. Oh, gosh. So he kept him in new shoes. Yes. And then then that gentleman would give my dad the stump socks. Oh. And so my dad always had great stump socks. But he would ride all day. Oh, all day with us. All day with us. Yeah. And I'll share a story about when when Ken first started riding with us. My husband. Yes. yes. So this would have been in the fall of 1980. And we'd been horseback all day, and we had cattle strung out probably for a mile. And I wasn't even with them when this happened. But some of the guys up in front of that what Ken could see, my husband could see, they were getting off the horses and walking because they were getting so stiff. And Ken said he was thinking about doing the same thing. And about that time, my dad rides up alongside of him and slaps him on the back. And he says, looky there, Ken, we're separating the men from the boys. Oh, he's so glad he didn't get down. And Ken said, if he'd have been 30 seconds later, I'd have been on the ground walking. He said, but... That's what. But he stayed on then. He stayed on. Oh, yeah, he didn't get off the horse. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's, it's It just sounds like you were born with grit, around grit, around toughness. I was, because my father came from very humble circumstances, you know. Yeah. And, and he put together this lovely ranch and all the cattle and the farms and the, the machinery and all those things. Yeah. But what, and I think because I was the one that liked what he liked. I naturally gravitated to him, mm -hmm. and I spent more time with him than any of my siblings did. Yeah, so he made a, a big uh, impression on you. and A and huge impression on fingerprints me. Fingerprints all over you. Oh, all over me. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, to this day. Yes. Yes. You think of him? and uh, Every day. Oh. Something will come up, and I'll think, well, that's the way Joe Hartwell would have done it, or how would Joe Hartwell do it? Oh, that's neat. So, yes, a huge impression on me. Yeah. Well, the other thing I find uh, that we have in common is that uh, one of your favorite things to do in the world is to get on horseback to this day. To this day. And ride on cattle. You've sent me pictures. Yes, what to get it? on a horse yeah. and go for a trail ride, that's, it's okay. Right. It's okay. But what, I, what my very favorite thing in the whole world is to get on the horse and go do something with the cattle. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what? Why? It's because it's what I loved to do when I was a kid, and yeah. I've loved to do it my whole life. If I had my choice of things to do, that's my very favorite thing to do. Yeah, it just is like the whole world melts away, doesn't it? It does. It's way better than a therapist's couch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It has solved a lot of problems. And it takes it takes your concentration. I mean, not only are you uh, worried about because wrecks can happen so easily yes. with horses. This, yes. You've told me about Yeah, the, I've had a couple of the, those wrecks. Uh, yes. Why don't you tell me about the stream? I, I love this <laughs> the stream story. <laughs> that was well, fairly recent, wasn't it? Well, that was 25 years ago. Oh, 25, ago. okay. No, it wasn't too recent. Okay. No, I had a big bay horse. He was quite tall. Yeah. And the guys had had to cross a canal. And out there in Montevideo, that's... That water is all pumped from deep water wells. Okay. And there's canals out there where our cattle are in the summer. And so we'd have to cross those canals. And they were deep. 
So you always crossed where the cattle did because you knew okay. that the cattle could get across there. So you, you made sure that, because the footing would be good. Right. So anyway, we're crossing the stream and there's my husband and one other man ahead of me. And they're on shorter horses, so they're getting their feet wet, right? So me being a smart ass, <laughs> I start down in there and I've got my spurs on, right? And I reach up and put my feet up on my horse's shoulders so I can go get my feet wet, right? Well, I'm fine until he starts up on the other bank and he starts lunging. Well, you start teasing the guys ahead of you yeah, first. Yeah, I was about, you know, hey, look here, guys, I'm my feet are dry, ha, ha, ha. And I'm fine till the horse starts up on the other side of the bank and he starts lunging. And when he does, I'm jabbing him in the shoulder. With your spurs? With my spurs. And I did that three or four times. And I probably had a probably a ninety-one point ride. I would guess. <laughs> That's right. Until I got bucked. Until I got bucked off. <laughs> Which and, wasn't pretty. You no, know, I got bucked off, and I landed flat on my back, on a lava rock, and I broke a rib and collapsed a lung. Ended up, I had to be life flighted into Ermac because I went into shock. Because you're out in the middle of nowhere, and right. the ambulance didn't know where to come to get me. Because they didn't have a clue, right? And so, um, ambulance finally came and they got me, but they couldn't give me any pain medication. And I don't know if you've ever had a collapsed lung, but it's pretty painful. And so, I finally went into shock from the pain. And so, then he called Life Flight and brought me to town. Oh, and so, I wasn't, I didn't be a smart ass after that about <laughs> crossing the or crossing the canals. That was enough of that stuff. That's right. I, I behaved myself, kept my foot in the stirrups. But those wrecks can happen so easily, they do. so quickly. They do. And yes. So, so yes, when you're a horseback and you've got a job to do, you have to read the cattle and understand how to go to turn them. And of course, this is stuff I've done. So Yes. But I have to concentrate on what I'm doing and pay attention where my horse is you know, and not put him in a bad place where he might fall or something like that. So you don't think about anything else. Yes. And so you have like, you know, four or five or six hours of total freedom. That's right. And, and how do you, I don't know how else to get that. Right. But getting on that horse and going to do some work. Yeah. And all the nature around you and how beautiful All the beautiful it is. scenery and... So we're very blessed that we have these great friends that allow us to go up to Spencer okay. and ride with them and help move cattle. And we're going to be doing some cowboying because they're going to come out of there the 10th. Oh, good. And so that's getting really close here. So we're going to, Ken and I will both go because Ken likes it too. Oh, yeah. But we'll go and spend two or three days probably, yeah. uh, you know, helping them to move cattle. Oh, that's great. So I'll get some really good therapy here right quick. Like. <laughs> there you go. That'll be wonderful. Yep. Good. Awesome. And I have a great horse to ride, so. Yes. I have a great horse to ride. So you, you, you're riding the one I, I like, too? Oh, I'm riding Sundance. Sundance, yes. yes. I'm riding Sundance. We, we share a love for a horse. Yep, we do. Yeah. Yes. It's the one that uh, I ride in the in the arena at the War Bonnet. Yep. Which I sure appreciate all your help. You get everything all prepared for me. And oh, yeah. He's a busy man the night <laughs> of the War Bonnet Roundup. So, <laughs> yeah, we try to have the horse saddled and ready oh, to go. Oh, dear. He kind of spoiled me. I feel a little bit like a greenhorn. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> no, he's no greenhorn at all. But it's our pleasure. Oh, thank Because you. it's fun to share something that you love with somebody else. Yes. That likes it like you do. Yes. That makes do. it really fun. 
So it, yeah. it's fun. It's like, wow, I'm going to get to go do this because this gentleman likes it like I do. Yeah. So I'm glad There's to share nothing, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's nothing like it to me either, getting on horseback and looking at the country. And, and you know, the people that are into it too, like the Smalls and, yes. and some of these other yes. like people up in Spencer, that they're just... Uh, the they were the raised best, like best I was. They understand this lifestyle. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said in today's world about cowboys. Yeah. They That's have right. a code of honor that's different. And and I'm not belittling anyone. Right. But it's different from children that are raised in a urban yeah. setting that don't have chores. It's that, interesting. That don't have a place to run and play when they're little. You know, they're raised in apartments and things like that. Yeah. Where the kids outside, just like, well, I learned to drive a truck with a stick shift. There's a lot of kids today that don't think about a shit, a stick shift. Don't yeah. know anything about it, couldn't drive a car with one. That's how I learned to drive. But there's and, this, this code, this cowboy code, as they call it. Yes, the cowboy code. Yes. How, did, how, did, how have you translated that into your business world? The, I think the cowboy code is to be very respectful. I mean, these uh, we have a lot of friends in that cowboy world. Yes. And it's always yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, or thank you, ma'am, or yeah. that's how these young men all interact with you. Mm-hmm. It, it's part of the lifestyle of, and it doesn't matter if they ride bulls or, or saddle bronc horses or they rope or anything. They all kind of have this code because they like this lifestyle. And that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And so we're very, very fortunate that I have association into that world. Mm-hmm. Ken and I love being around those those young people that we know that yeah. that live that way. Well, and but you have it ingrained in your DNA and well, in the fabric of who you are. Yes. And I, I, yes. Guess I think about part of the cowboy code too is honesty integrity absolutely absolutely doing the right thing even if it hurts yes even if it's financially hurtful or emotionally hurtful Mm -hmm. you still do the right thing yeah which is what you did through the recession you just you you put what you needed into it everything you had you were all in we were all in yes and you went for it and thank goodness that somebody was smiling on us and we've come out on the other side we're very blessed we think we're very blessed but it might have something to do with the fact that we were all in taking care of these people yeah you worked and and it was a daily struggle yes it was and lots of sleepless nights and tossing and turning and worrying and but it was all worth it yeah yeah well vicky thank you so much for for taking the time today and, oh, and for sharing your story. It's a, it's a beautiful one and, and one that inspires me to to work hard and to, to uphold that cowboy code, if you will. Yes, that, I think that's so important that this cowboy way of life, obviously, the way I'm yes, I, I like that. it, but this is what I feel the most comfortable in, is my cowboy boots. Yes, and that's you know, right. That's... Well, I wish I could have that uh, gear on myself, but 
but you got to dress for what, what you're doing, right? Right. When you're right. out riding, you better not be in a suit. Well, and, <laughs> and when you, one of you young men, whoever it was that called me, I thought, well, I've never done anything like this before, so I'm going to go and be comfortable. Okay. Oh, that's great. So oh. I'm glad I was okay. Yes, you're perfect. Thank All right. Thank you, Vicki, so much. Well, thank you, Jeff. And it's our pleasure, and we're so happy that we are here with the bank and have the great working relationship we do. Yeah. It's, yes. It's good on both ends. Yes, I think so. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Community Connections with Jeff Newgard, where every episode you hear unique stories of your neighbors, colleagues, friends, and community connections. You can find our podcasts on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and other popular platforms. Subscribe to our channel to keep up to date on all future conversations. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.